Hello, and thank you for downloading the pilot episode of Power Bombs and Potables, part of the podcast Potables Network. My name's Corey Oates, and this week I am joined by the head of the podcast Potables Network, Dan Morgan, to discuss the week that was in professional wrestling, what's going on with WrestleMania, and so much more on this week's episode of Power Bombs and Potables. Welcome to what we're going to call the pilot episode of the debut pro wrestling podcast here on the Podcast Potables Network, uh, entitled Power Bombs and Potables. Hi, my name is Corey Oates, usually your sound guy for Process Potables. Glad to be here uh, as the host of this. Joining me on this first episode, Mr. Podcast Potables himself, Mr. Dan Morgan. Dan, how you doing? Friday night, baby. Quarantine city, but... We're in the podcast paradise. I'm excited to continue to try and grow the network even in these difficult times and very excited to get you a show on this network. I've been kind of hoping for a long time, even before I was doing podcasting, that you would be doing some sort of wrestling content that I could consume. And now it worked out well that I have built what I'm hoping to become an empire. And now I would like to hand you the keys to... One of my kingdoms. Well, is, that, is that a good promo? Yeah, it was a great start. I mean, I listen to so many wrestling podcasts on my own, and I feel that wrestling podcasts are one of those things that so many people do that it was an oversaturation that I wasn't even sure if it was necessarily worth my time. Uh, but when you we started talking about the fact that you wanted to continue to build this brand and spread out from just doing one particular venture under it with, with just the Sixers and start doing other sports teams and other other things, I looked at you that night and I was like, all right, so I guess I'm doing the wrestling one, which which makes sense. Like I just I wanted the right opportunity to under a network. I feel more comfortable uh, in the work that's going to go into this, and it actually getting two people to hear as opposed to just myself and and uh, well, the other thing too is that i mean wrestling itself right now is super saturated so why not why not why not be on brand with it right and that's a key to what my point is with this show so obviously i want to talk about everything each week each week i want to i want to talk about the, the wwe shows you know raw nxt smackdown uh i don't watch 205 live nothing against 205 live but you know i work 40 hours a week and have a bunch of other jobs 205 live has never necessarily been a highlight it's not on TV, uh, so it's not something that I really watch. Uh, I'm going to talk about Impact. Impact is still out there, and they're putting out some great stuff. They're kind of low-key, running on Access TV right now. The NWA, putting out some great wrestling as well, uh, exclusively on YouTube each week. And Ring of Honor as well, and of course, All Elite Wrestling. But to get to the show and get it done within an hour each week. I don't want to sit here and uh, have a bunch of cooks in the kitchen. I want to get to the point. The good things that I really like, some things that maybe be questionable. And in situations like this where I have, uh, you know, Dan or somebody else with me, we can discuss our thoughts on things, maybe a direction that they could take things. In the future weeks, I'm going to start maybe handing off 
uh, some of these shows each week uh, to other voices, maybe some other people from from uh, other podcasts, maybe a little cross promotion, uh, just to get their thoughts on the show. So there's multiple voices and opinions that are going to be able to be heard. Uh, but the key thing is, I would like to keep the show under an hour each week, just give you the real highlights and the things that you know you really need to check out because there's so much content out there that you you don't need another on top of all the the, the TV content. You don't need another two and a half hours of somebody talking about it. Which I think means we definitely got to get right into it, bro. Well, this is the first episode, but we are still in the Podcast Potables network. So, it's Friday night. We're sitting here in the, uh, what what do you call this, the Podcast Paradise? Podcast Paradise. Podcast Paradise. Uh, So, I just finished a Double Daisy Cutter IPA. It's a double IPA. Wonderful piece of beer. Yeah, I've never had the double. I love the regular Daisy Cutter, so the double's got to be nice, nice and strong. Uh, Yeah, this uh, bad boy, 8% ABV. Sheesh. I've had this uh, for a couple months. Now we're in quarantine fridge season, so it's like you open up and it's like, what do we got in here? Uh, So I went with that. Now, uh, are you finished your beer? What do you got there? I'm wrapping up my uh, double nickel, the failed resolution, which we've talked about before on previous podcasts. Yeah, the process potables. This is gonna get really tough with all these peas and different episodes now. Boy, I'm not. Mm. I wasn't prepared for that. Double nickel failed resolution. It's a uh, hazy IPA, double dry hop with wakatu. And Bless clock, you. Cl- thank you. Clocks in about seven percent. And double nickel right now is just on a roll of putting out tons of great beers lately. The animal style, the nocturnal creatures, this failed resolution, and then. What Corey's going to talk about here that we're about to pour. Yeah, so uh, last Saturday, uh, Double Nickel just released the Maple Shop, is what I believe they're calling this. Uh, It's a bourbon barrel-aged brown ale. It says, laid to rest for 10 months in bourbon barrels. That Vermont maple syrup was formerly aged in for four months. 6.8 ABV. The front's got a little canadian maple leaf and looks almost like the background is denim i mean it's a nice looking can here but i mean uh dan picked up a nice four pack of these last uh last saturday after we recorded the pod so there we go a little beer ski and i already uh made a mess on myself and i can just tell you from that taste this is going to be a very delicious beer thank you sir so the barrels that they were aged in were actually maple syrup barrels you said says that, that it was laid to rest for 10 months in bourbon barrels that Vermont maple syrup was formerly aged in for four months. So so they went from syrup barrels to being bourbon barrels, and now they're aging beer in the used That's the first barrels. time I've ever seen that. So that's a very cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Ooh, that's. <laughs> well, goddamn, pal. That's good shit. All right. So swig of beer here. We'll start off uh, with that. Oh, wow. That's just pancakes, baby. This yeah. is a breakfast beer. Definitely definitely a breakfast beer. It's uh that's that's bourbon and fucking eggs right there. It's wonderful. It's not that boozy. It's not. It's for for what you'd expect. Yeah, that I completely agree with that. This is a this is gonna be a, a fun show, everybody. So this week we don't have as much to talk about. Obviously, we are in now week two fully of all empty arena shows except for impact uh the nwa hasn't had a new show in quite a few weeks uh they have closed down their operations about a week ago and they 
have announced that they're closing up shop until, I believe, June, they said. Uh, They canceled their Crockett Cup pay-per-view for the time being, and it'll be announced at a later date. So this week, we only have Raw, NXT, AEW, Impact, SmackDown, and AEW, I believe, to talk about, which I have, you know, the notes of things I definitely want to touch base on. Some new stuff that, you know, me and Dan will discuss. Uh, So we're going to get into it now. Uh, I'm just going to work my way down each week, uh, starting with the beginning. So obviously, Monday night, we start off with Monday Night Raw. The show opened with the exact same, I believe it was about a four-minute build package to the Drew McIntyre-Brock Lesnar WWE um, title match for WrestleMania. I like the package, so I'm completely okay with them reusing it two weeks in a row because it does a great job of showing Brock Lesnar's build of his career in WWE from 2002 to now. Same with Drew McIntyre, how he came in as the chosen one to 3MB to leaving to coming back. Uh, And here we are now with the big buildup. So I'm a fan of that. Obviously, the first thing that I notice when we actually come live in the arena, if you want to call it an arena. Performance center. (laughs) Is that uh, they have adapted the camera angle. Now, on the show last week, the Process Potable show, I refer to this as the AEW camera angle. uh, And I will apologize because I realized later that I was wrong with that. This is actually the Ring of Honor camera setup. Ring of Honor has been using this for years. Uh, AEW barred it clearly from Ring of Honor. And if anybody, WWE barred this from Ring of Honor. I will give that to Ring of Honor because Ring of Honor, if there's one thing, I love Ring of Honor. I've been a Ring of Honor supporter for several years. Uh, I went to the MSG show, but I've even been to shows. Oh, yeah, you were there, too. Uh, But I've even been in shows that they've ran in uh, hotel ballrooms. I yelled at that guy to shut the fuck up and got a standing ovation. (laughs) Uh, Oh, shit. That was in the Manhattan Center. That was a that was a completely different Ring of Honor show. So, yeah, we've seen we've been to so many different Ring of Honor shows from the big stage to the small stage. But Ring of Honor does a great job of masking. I hate to say it very close to empty arena shows uh, at points uh, by shooting the camera angle that they do. So it's great that, that these other companies are utilizing it because it takes your eyes off of the fact that there's just a bunch of empty chairs behind the camera angles where WWE had been shooting for the last week and a half or so. Well, but, but uh, we start off with raw and uh, it's just another Lesnar promo. I'm fine with it. Lesnar stands there, does his thing. Uh, uh, Heyman talks him into the building fine with it it's they're they're trying to fill three hours it is what it is you know this week on raw they played the entire rumble match rollins cena lesnar match from philly the philly rumble in 15 uh which was a great match i think that match got like four and a half stars from Meltzer, uh and with commercials that got about 45 minutes of the show i remember i i i saw the opening promo with lesnar i stepped away for a couple minutes and i came back up and it was about 9 10 and I ended up just being able, I've seen that match. I fast forwarded right through it. And I was like three minutes away from being live because that's how long that match was. They're obviously filling time each show with uh, trying to put some old content on, which is, it's fine. It is what it is. Promo wise, these shows have been really, WWE wise has been heavy on the promos. AJ comes out uh, and cuts another promo on The Undertaker. He's been getting really personal with him, calling him Mark, really digging into him about Michelle McCool. Uh, him and his career. Yeah, him and uh, apparently uh, Michelle McCool and, and Taker are big animal activists, and they shot like a video last week with like a f- tiger in a pool or some shit like yeah, that, like a Myrtle Beach. Zoo yeah, and the weird thing was is that they like then brought that in. Like it just seems like they're just they're digging for stuff here. Well, and it, the whole Tiger King thing on Netflix is going off, so I think they definitely wanted to ride that wave right away. 
I didn't even know the Tiger uh, the, the the Tiger Thing King was a thing till yesterday, which was Thursday. We're talking Monday Night on Raw, so well, good. He, yeah. He, I mean, AJ references it. in yeah. the promo. So I mean, good for them being ahead of the curve on that one. Uh, but it I, did, have, I have a question. Sure, for you sure. On this because AJ is one of those guys that was such like a big deal when they got him. He shows he showed up at the Rumble what mm-hmm. two three years ago, two it years was ago, two thousand and. It was seventeen. No, it was before that. It was it was fifteen. No I want to say. Way. Well, let's see. His first rumble, his mania. So he did Jericho at thirty-two. So he, so his first mania was thirty-two, and he debuted at the Rumble before that. So thirty-two, thirty-three. He, this is his fifth WrestleMania. So go Jesus. back five years to two thousand fifteen. You like that math right there? I yeah. counted on my fingers. I just I feel like in the entire time that he's been in this company, like obviously his in-ring performance speaks for himself. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even when, even in title runs, even when you know he he's having to work with anybody, I feel like he's never gotten this kind of time on a mic. In in what you're saying to me is five years in this company, and I think it's good because like a guy with this kind, like a a, a star of his caliber, mm-hmm. I feel like has for some reason or another has been like, you know, kind of kept away from doing promos and doing a lot of real personal storylines. Well, people who have been watching wrestling or in the inner circle of wrestling for years have always talked about how great AJ Styles is, how phenomenal he is in the ring and to, to put a match together. But the one thing they always used to say about him is he couldn't cut a promo to save his life, which is one of the big reasons why in TNA in like 2010, when Bischoff and Hogan came in, they put him right with flair. They put him with flair for a couple of reasons. One, because they figured flair would be his heater. But two, because Flair can cut a promo. But the only problem is Flair's one of those people from the old school is Flair knows how to get himself over. So it's very difficult for him to get others over because he manages to get himself over before other people. I'll touch on something very similar to that when we get to AEW. But ever since AJ got to WWE, he is a completely different guy when it comes to the mic. Everybody I've been saying is like, oh, he can magically talk. And I think it's honestly... Maybe some people work better with scripted promos, as dumb as that sounds. When you're given the material and you don't have to come up with it on your own, yeah. maybe some of those people, it's easier for them to execute that. If you're not the most natural guy, right. it makes sense that that would be better for you. I'm just saying it's cool to see. It's something yeah. that I feel like in the entire time he's been there, and I respected what he had done before he got there, mm-hmm. but as a guy who mainly only watched WWE in what I even watched, right? Like I, I never got to really see him do any of that. So this really feels like the first time, which I think is cool amongst all the things that I Mm -hmm. don't really enjoy them doing right now. I think that's one of the positives coming out of this is him getting that opportunity. Well, yeah, I mean, AJ in his run, he's already, which is crazy to me because AJ Styles, his, he was in, he was a staple. He was on the very first uh, NWA TNA pay-per-view in 2002. And he was there until 2000 and, I believe 13 is contract ran out December. So pretty much 2014. Uh, and then he spent all of – may have been 2012 because I feel like that's not – I think he spent maybe two years. So maybe it was 2012, but he spent two years after that. So he spent 10 years in TNA. Uh, did a little bit of ROH in there, but in that time, he didn't really have mic time. It was all in-ring stuff. And then he goes to New Japan. He goes to Ring of Honor. Works a lot of stuff there. Uh, so, you know, obviously, you're right. You know, he's got great stuff in the ring, but he's not really gotten the mic time. Uh, you put him with people like Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, who those guys have 
ridiculous chemistry on a microphone. They had their own podcast for years. Those guys are are money just standing behind him, saying three words in, calling each other friggin' punky and hoot like they're the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, and it gets over. Uh, but really what I want to get back to, to try and get this back on the right pace, is that it came out this week that uh, Undertaker, you know, with all the stuff and the look that he had last week with the braided hair and everything, he was supposed to be big, evil, American badass, most likely for this WrestleMania. They were supposed to be a, a motorcycle entrance and all this stuff, apparently. Um, yeah. And then AJ challenges him to a Boneyard match at WrestleMania this week. Uh, so uh, pretty much nixes that idea. I mean, even when he was the American badass, it was he was still like Dead Man Inc. and all this other... Well, yeah, I think that was... Yeah, but the the Boneyard match seems to me like it's going to be one of their uh, quote-unquote close-set matches. It's probably going to be something in a graveyard-esque. Um, I'm sure Taker... Is this going to be pre-taped? Most of the matches are being pre-taped. I know some of them's being pre-taped this weekend. They've already uh, hold on, and I have I I do have this that um and I was going to bring this up later, but I'll just bring it up now. So Ryan Satin, who's probably if you are looking for a great person as a follow him in pro wrestling, she Ryan Satin was a former like I believe uh, head writer producer for TMZ, broke out on his own, started his own brand. He does not report quote-unquote rumor and innuendo he will only put out confirmed factual information uh and he is kind of now getting source stuff from wwe straight on uh he's part of their backstage show so they do give him some information before they give it to other people but he came out on uh what do we have today is the 27th so yesterday on the 26th he came out that a stay-at-home order in Orange County, where the Performance Center is located, is scheduled to last until April the 9th. Uh, from what I'm hearing, WWE has already filmed the April 6th Raw After Mania matches, uh, and it sounds like they're planning to continue filming at the PC once the order has been lifted. So, I know that they filmed NXT back at Full Sail this week. Kind of makes me think if that's the situation they're in. They have all these closed set matches that they're going to do where they're going to be able to do a graveyard, bone yard match, whatever. Uh, the matches are going to have to be in a ring. I'm assuming they're going to do it full sale. Um, if they can get around it. And uh, it's the only thing that makes sense because if they, they have a stay-at-home order, they can't necessarily uh, use that. Uh, but I think it's going to be a closed set match. Uh I think that Taker's going to go over. No one's going to really watch this WrestleMania or remember it. So uh, whatever. I'm sure Chato and the big LG are going to get a payday for doing a little bit of a run-in, but I'm sure the Undertaker's still going to go over is what it is with that. Anything you want to add to that? I have no idea. I mean, it, it doesn't – the way they're they're doing this with AJ, it, it makes sense that Undertaker goes over just storyline-wise, but again, it's a what – And then the Undertaker goes – Exactly. It, the Undertaker goes away again. Like it's and a lose-lose. If AJ right. wins, I'm not really satisfied. If Undertaker right. wins, I'm really not satisfied. Right. I mean, the thing is, at the rate that they're at, unfortunately, WrestleMania is going to air as as Raw come, like, May 5th or whatever that, you know, because they're going to just run out of content. It's, 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 it's quite strange, the situation that we are currently in uh, in wrestling right now. But to continue going on with Raw, uh, we are dragging this along, which is not the plan, but we're going to keep working on that as we go uh, along in, in the coming weeks. Uh, they announced Andrade and Angel Garza are going to wrestle the Street Profits for the Raw Tags at Mania, which to me is kind of weird 
and random. Not saying that the match is going to be bad at all, because we're talking good wrestlers there. But the problem is, is there's absolutely no story. And we're talking WrestleMania here. At this point, I don't care about the match. Let them prove me wrong come the show. But I'm, I'm not invested in that match at all. I feel it's just a match for the sake of a match because they're trying to get as many people that want to work on this empty arena WrestleMania on the show. So well, whatever, more power the to them. you have to take from it. And, and like you said, you know, they're, they're just announcing this. Mm-hmm. So they're announcing it, understanding that this is now a, a pre-taped two-night it's not it's not WrestleMania. It's really not WrestleMania. So if it was still the big spectacle mm-hmm. live eighty thousand people, right. then yeah, maybe this seems a little bit lackluster, but also maybe this isn't the match that you Right. Need. Which brings me to another sidebar point that I've been thinking to myself too is you're WWE, you're trying to, you know, make up for damage control. SummerSlam's your second biggest show of the year. Now they do have this contract where I believe they're gonna be in it's not the Boston Gardens anymore. It's not the Fleet Center anymore. TD Gardens. TD Gardens to do SummerSlam this year. I'm wondering if there's any way that they back out of that and try and run like Foxborough or something like that. That and, make a lot of sense. And try and just get a stadium show. TD is like 18,000. Right. The guard, yeah. But I mean, it's just like they need to get that kind of stadium show in. And you can get it in the Northeast in August. Right. Just hope that there's no rain. But, you know, that if you're WWE, I feel like for Vince's ego, they need that stadium show. I feel like his thing at this point is, well, I'm not going to get my stadium show, but I'm going to get the last laugh. I'm going to get WrestleMania still on, but it's just like, at what cost? Like right. you're killing so much here. That's a great idea. But I, I mean, it's, it, it's an idea, but I don't know contract wise when you have an agreement with it, with it, with the building, uh, how that actually works. I mean, I mean, they easily could just pull that out and slot that to another pay-per-view. Um, but, because here's the thing is when you they do those things they do the summer slams they do the wrestlemanias all the stuff that comes with it the extra wrestling shows the side shows uh of people uh as well as the raws before and after right. and the other yeah, buildings stuff like that stuff right exactly and this year they have hall of fame which they're moving to that weekend as well so you can still do all those stuff at TD Gardens just do the main thing maybe right. at Foxborough and is and get away Fox with that Borough? isn't it Gillette? See, that's why I'm doing the wrestling <laughs> podcast here. I, I act like I, it is Gillette Stadium now that you mention it. But fuck the Patriots. A, I actually think it's a different stadium. I like Which actually makes a good point because I don't know. Maybe Foxborough might still be there. So even if you can't get Gillette, maybe Foxborough is just fucking available. Maybe. I have no idea what the situation is with that. But the new one, the Patriots current one is Gillette. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I mean, if you're talking about like the TD Garden wanting to get their money, like, easy, like the money they would have made off of it, you're going to make so much more at a bigger stadium that you just work it out that like they still get you know at least right. something and, and all then... the traffic's still gonna come the, the thing is the traffic comes to the town for the right. weekend so i mean it's the same thing they would have done for wrestlemania all the other shows would have happened in that arena right you're just pulling one out of it and you'll put it in the stadium but you're still gonna get you, you'll give them the hall of fame there you go you're giving them an extra night of and they'll still show. They'll do like an nxt one as well of course yeah yeah so i mean you're already talking hall of fame smackdown NXT, Raw After. That's four shows right there. And then you'll give them that fifth one. At, uh, right. Uh, well, no, the fifth one would be, you know, Foxborough. So the town gets oh, five well, shows and you replace the fourth show, excuse me, with Hall of Fame. So as Raw goes on, 
Right after they make that announcement, you get Ricochet and Cedric Alexander versus Andrade and Angel Garza. Now, what I will say is these guys tore it up, and that's the only reason I wanted to bring this match up. This is by far has been the best, in my opinion, the best empty arena WWE match I have seen. What took away from it, obviously, in my opinion, had nothing to do with there being no crowd for once. It had everything to do with the fact that they brought in the Street Profits in the middle of the match, just like WWE, they had to play the entrance music, which makes no sense. Why do you have to play the entrance music? And then they're up there sitting in on commentary. And they were making noises. It just seemed like they were just trying to see how loud they could get to see if it would be picked up. And it just, it was awkward. Yeah, because those guys are in the ring working super hard. And you have the Street Profits up there working up there. just. And I actually liked being able to hear like the communication between those guys in the ring. And I really liked hearing Zelina Vega at ringside because she's like the best at that. Like she's adding to the match, especially with no crowd that you can really hear her. Mm-hmm. Like they're all like they're all talking shit on each other. Mm-hmm. She's in there yelling and yelling. Like that that can work. Like that can make up for the crowd to some extent. Enough mm-hmm. for you to get past it. And then they came in mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, now this is just feels forced and it feels like you're doing this because there's nobody here where, like, I was enjoying the aesthetic before that. Yeah. Zelina Vega and Paul Heyman are by far the two best people. Because you, you take a Sami Zayn, you put him out there. Sami Zayn's out there yelling, doing a bunch of comedy stuff. Doing comedy stuff. Those two are actually, they're there. They're, sh- they're giving direction. They're shouting. They're, they're, they're stomping their hands on the mat. They're, they're, they're making noise and doing the stuff that you'd see from the managers of the past. The Arnold Scullins, the Freddie Blassies, the Sherry Martells, uh, the Bobby Heenans of the world. Those types of people who were a manager. Their job was to guide their, their wrestler, their client, however you want to word it. Uh, to win the match. And that's a, a lost art in WWE form uh, because usually Vince pulls people right off right away. But the Andrade Zelina thing works very well for him. So good. And uh, obviously Heyman and Lesnar uh, works tremendous as well. Uh, but continuing on with Monday Night Raw, unless you had anything else for, for that segment, uh, I wanted to get to Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch peaked one year ago at WrestleMania. That was the 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 climax. You know, it would have been originally that Survivor Series match where she got the concussion on the Raw before. You had to replace her with Charlotte and all that stuff. And Charlotte took her place against Ronda at that Survivor Series. Fast forward, you get them back together for WrestleMania last year um, at MetLife. And she went over. Cool. She won the belt. She's been on a downward slope ever since then. But here we are one year later and she has not lost the belt. She needs 100% to not only lose this match at WrestleMania to Shayna, but she needs to get absolutely destroyed by Shayna, in my opinion, because you need to break Becky down to then rebuild her back up. Because Becky is tremendous as a babyface. And everybody knows the money in a babyface is in the chase. Her chase ended a year ago, and there's okay once you get to the chase, you give him a feud or two to hold on to, and then, all right, you cool him off, you put the belt on somebody else, you let him chase again. Because once once they're up there, then what, what, what do they have to fight for? Um, Shayna, you know, you're talking about someone who, in NXT, was pretty much the champion for two years give or take a couple hiccups here and there. They flip up the title uh, once or twice with her and put it right back on her. But she was pretty dominant there. So far, they brought her up. She went vampire on Becky. 
that was as bad as a fart in church. And then it, they brought it back up in this interview, which I was like, yeah, don't talk about Yeah, this. like, if there's one thing, WWE is notorious for f- acting like, oh, well, we'll just make you forget about it. Please, let us forget about that, because that was not good uh, as a way to bring her up. This, the story was simple. The story was absolutely simple. You had Survivor Series, you had NXT versus Raw versus SmackDown. Shayna got beat, and by, I think, Bailey, something like that. And all I remember is how it ended was Becky took out Shayna on that announce table and that's how the show went off the air. All right, so the next time that these two met was that role. All she had to do was jump her. The story was was there. She was just waiting to get her revenge for getting beat up at the end of Survivor Series and then here you go to WrestleMania. That's her story. You didn't need to do the, the biting, but I digress. You get here and you have this promo Monday night and uh, my problem with it was... Everything that Shane has done so far in WWE, besides that, is you know the main roster has been one thing. She's come in, she's talked a lot of shit. She did the elimination chamber. She eliminated all five women. No one has eliminated everybody, so they're building her up to be a badass. Totally cool with that because that's where she needs to be. Right. They really need to make it seem like Becky is going to get her ass kicked and then let her get her ass kicked. But the thing is, Becky just blindsides her with that chair when Shayna hadn't done anything wrong, really. What they should have done was they should have had maybe Shayna start to maybe grab Charlie, maybe threaten Charlie and get in her face, and then here but comes the heroic baby face. Right from the start. It wasn't a lot, but they did do that. Here's You're right. Everything you're saying is correct, but to try and give them credit, because I don't think this is as egregious as maybe you're making it out to be, at least for me, again, not nearly as invested as you are to some of this, is that Becky in the entire year since she's gotten the belt, at least to me, has has never shown that she's threatened. Basically, everyone that's come there, she's been like, I don't know who you are. You can't touch me. Like, I'm not scared of you. Open challenge. And to their credit, this is the first person that at mm. least she's like... Ex- except for Asuka at the Rumble, which once they got there and they got through the match, then she was like, huh, I know I could do it. And it's like, oh, okay, way to completely discredit the fact that you have been like in shambles for weeks building up to this match. I kind of thought that that was a little weak on their end too, but sure. that's in the past. But okay, so, you know, one other time. The point is she, she hasn't taken anybody else very seriously. At least you're giving Shayna the credit here that she's taking her seriously. She's not taunting her, saying she's not worried about her. Like she's going out of her way to, to go after her. So uh, if anything, you give them a little bit of credit for that. You know, all, all your points are valid, but, you know, at, at least they're doing something different than what she's been doing for a year. Fair enough. All right. So then pretty much besides that, Raw finishes up uh, with strong promos. Uh, you have Owens and Rollins out there building for their match. I thought that they did a good job at this. Obviously, all the matches in WrestleMania would be a million times better with a the crowd there. Uh, but these guys, I'm sure if there's anybody, these guys are, are out there to steal the show. And I think that. Owens and Rollins are going to just beat the living shit out of each other. At this point, based off of that promo Monday night, I don't want to see any interference. I want it to be one-on-one. I want it to be Rollins versus Owens. I don't care who goes over. I don't feel that either one losing will hurt the other. So you don't need any interference. Just let these two finally go at it because this has been a build for months now. I think going back to... October, November, it's been that long since they started all this stuff. So I, I feel like that is is really a match that could have used a crowd for the emotion, but I think that they're going to do just fine in an empty arena. 
the crowd would have ate it up, but they don't need it. But that probably would have been the the most alive the crowd would be that entire night would be those two guys. You're right that neither would get hurt, but I think Owens needs it. Owens has like really not mm. had that many spots in a right. while, and Seth Seth could do whatever he wants, and and he right. and nothing's really gonna hurt him. I th- I think Owens needs it. Yeah, Owens Owens has kind of been forced to eat shit for these last couple months because of the strength of numbers that keeps happening with AOP and then Murphy and then you know they put him with Samoa Joe when Samoa Joe came back from being hurt. And then Samoa Joe got hurt filming a commercial that hasn't even aired yet. Then Samoa Joe got suspended. And it's just one thing after the next for this guy. But the only thing is he keeps showing up and he keeps getting his ass kicked, which is kind of fun because they keep building it into his promos at this point where he's just like, yep, I know how this is going to go. Let's fucking do it. Uh, But I definitely agree with the fact that I think that Owens needs to win this match. And then finally, Orton comes out and he accepts Edge's challenge. I believe it's going to be a last man standing match for WrestleMania. Another match. Like, you got to feel bad. You and me were actually at WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta when Edge had his last match. And even at that, nobody knew it was his last match. He went out on top as the world heavyweight champion. And here he is nine years later. Nobody thought he was ever going to come back. He had that crazy return at the Rumble. Just imagine what the pop at WrestleMania would have been for him to have his first one-on-one match back. And uh, it's going to happen here in this situation. But, I mean, hey, he's being professional about it. But Orton accepts, and we're going to see that match, I believe, next Saturday. I I, I remember we read the, the list of matches on the Process Potables last weekend that came out. Uh, but I don't honestly remember. I don't have it in front of me. We did discuss it then. Yeah, I think this is another one of the. I mean, I know this is supposed to be like a one-time thing, but again, if they can find a way to kind of shift a lot of ideas from this down the line to a, to a stadium show, you know, like do this. Obviously, he's going to go through, like whether he goes over or not, which I kind of don't think he does. I, I kind of think Orin's going to get this one. Well, here's here's a great point. I feel if it was at WrestleMania with a crowd, Edge would have won over. If you have no crowd, you could easily have Orton go over and, and then wait till yep, get, move it to SummerSlam. That's what I was trying to get to is that's exactly what you should do. Have Orton go over and then literally like bubble wrap Edge, put him on ice, put him away, and then you don't, you don't need anything else to build it up. You have him come back you know, two weeks before. Right, recover from all the injuries you see him go through. Right. You know, put his head, put his neck in a chair, and have Warren stomp it out. I don't know, do something. Bring dumb. back the punt. Yeah, have him punt him. No, they have not used that punt in over ten years. Bring the punt back, and then let Edge go over the next time you have a crowd ready. Yeah, simple. Uh, so NWA, like I said, has been off of. Uh, YouTube for a while, they've, they've postponed their stuff. So once they pick things back up uh, in a couple of months, we will continue to bring them up because, in my opinion, that is the most fun wrestling show, in my opinion, that's out there. It's an hour-long, 50 minutes on YouTube every week for free. Uh, it's a classic studio wrestling environment. Keep the matches short, but they're, they're good. All the episodes, obviously, are free. There's only 20 episodes so far so this is a great time if you're looking for some binge watching stuff you're looking for some new wrestling pull up nwa power on uh on youtube and just give it a watch you can probably binge it but by the time uh 
they're going to resume uh, processing. Uh, Impact, I know that you you don't really watch uh, Impact. Uh, wasn't really much going on this week, but the one thing that's tremendous about Impact right now, which I mean, you want to talk about a company that usually doesn't have the upper advantage. They have, after this week, so we still going, going forward, they still have four weeks of canned television with an audience. So that's going to take them through April. So they're going to have till May to see if this is either going to open back up and they're going to be able to do more shows or if they're going to just, you know, maybe just last longer than everybody else with brand new content in front of a crowd. So good for them. That's something that's working out for them. They had a pay-per-view that they had everything built up to, which has been canceled. So we'll see what goes from there. Right now, your champion, the Impact champion, Tessa Blanchard, uh, is scheduled to defend her title at that pay-per-view against Eddie Edwards and Unbreakable Michael Elgin. So we will see when they actually get to that, uh, how that works out. But Impact's doing some good stuff. They just brought back Sammy Callahan after, I guess, they kind of... They, he dropped the belt to Tessa back in January, and this was kind of them rebuilding him. I kind of think they, they, they kind of tapped into the Solomon Crow character, almost the, the computer hacking thing. But Sammy has a lot of creative control at Impact, so I feel, if, if anything, they're kind of doing what maybe his vision of Solomon Crow would have been with that more to come in the coming weeks of what they have done. Uh, but to now to all elite wrestling, this week's show... Tony Schiavone, Cody, and Kenny Omega are your announced team. They, they open it right up. Uh, and I'm going to say that that's fun for me. I love Tony Schiavone. Great lead color guy. But in reality, with him and JR, they're two color guys. It really doesn't work out. Uh, uh, they're not color guys. They're play-by-play guys. Oh, I said that wrong. They're both play-by-play guys, and it doesn't work well. Taz is a color guy, and he's very high energy. He works great with JR. They've been utilizing Tony Schiavone as more of the announcer, interviewer, which is a great spot for him, but this week proved that he could still go for two hours on TV, uh, and that was fun for me being the 90s wrestling fan that I am. But more wrestling talk about this. Uh, Cody and Jimmy Havoc opened the show. Myself, personally, I don't know how much you know about Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc is a wrestler from the UK. He's known for a very hardcore style. He uses a lot of staple guns and all this other kind of plunder. To, to that, but beyond that. Um, not really my type of wrestling, per se, that I like. But this match, there was none of that. Yeah. He actually wrestled. They, they, they brought a little bit. Whatever. Nothing wrong with a little brawl. They went up to the announce desk. And, you know, no staple guns, no dumb shit that he usually does. But they had a good 10 to 15 minute match. Cody went over. I liked how, well, before the match even happened and they were opening up, Cody says, yep, Jimmy Havoc is, I believe he said 3-0 and in AEW. Right there, we had stakes for this match. Because before that, it was, we hadn't seen Jimmy Havoc on TV in months. So right away, you're like, okay, these two are going to wrestle. There's no buildup, but there's stakes involved. This guy has never lost a match. So there you go. Cody winning the match, those are the stakes. I, I like it. In wrestling, most matches, or at least what wrestling was always built on, is that there's a reason why two people are wrestling. There's right. some form of stakes. So I'm, I'm a fan of that, especially in this situation where you don't have much to really build off of. What I'm going to get to after this is a pre-tape. Cody's still in the ring. Jake the Snake Roberts, once again calling out Cody on behalf of Lance Archer. I love Jake the Snake, but... The problem with Jake the Snake, and I referred to this earlier when I was talking about Ric Flair with AJ Styles from years ago, Jake the Snake Roberts knows how to get Jake over. And once again, two weeks in a row, he cut a promo 
on behalf of somebody else who's going to be doing all of the work, but he managed to get himself over. Yeah, and so I can tell you as a guy that doesn't regularly watch and watch this week, I thought that promo was fucking awesome, mm-hmm. but I came away from it not knowing what the hell it was yes. about. I was just like, okay, that's Jake the Snake, and this is really cool, but like, what the hell does this have to do with anything? One of the all-time greatest talkers in wrestling because, and he will say this himself, he can manipulate you with his words. And he always goes to how he, he cut a promo back when they used to have to do like 30 promos at a time. And they were just like, they told him to roll. And he was just talking with his, he was mouthing words, but nothing was coming out. And they were telling him that they couldn't hear him. But that was the thing was he wasn't actually saying anything, but he's like, if you were watching that on TV, you would turn your volume up because you wanted to hear what he said. He had you. So we know that he's a great promo. And you know what this promo reminded me of, too? Uh, you'll know his name. I, I don't remember. But the guy who, for a certain time in WWE, was managing uh, Jack Swagger, or now Jake Hager. Dutch Mantel. Yes. This reminded me so much of him. And I and I love his time in WWE. And Dutch, he was another guy who was great on the Dutch market. Mantel is another great talker who has been utilized in creative. He's one of the, he's, uh, one of the main creative people, I believe, still. Maybe an impact so he was at one point. Uh, over the years, he's been everywhere from Smoky Mountain Wrestling to heavily in Puerto Rico. Uh, but obviously, when he was in WWE, they used him in a managerial role, and he is he is a great talker. But going back to that '80s '90s mentality, like your job was, you sank or swim. It's like okay, you, you, the TV back then was. You get a four-minute match, you squash somebody. Then you get on the microphone. Your job is you need to sell people and you need to make them buy tickets to come see you either get your ass beat or beat someone's ass. But you did it with with your words and how you did it, and that's how you sank or swam, and that's how you made your money. So these guys from the 80s and the 90s, when the house show business was where you made your money, they can talk for themselves. They didn't have to rely on scripted promos. They knew who their quote-unquote character was. They lived the quote-unquote gimmick right and uh guys like jake are great talkers but necessarily hasn't done anything to get lance archer over yet we have yet to see lance lance archer in the ring yeah i didn't know who lance archer was till you talked about it now i watched all of of dynamite (laughs) yeah well that's the thing is so we are now on week four of jake so he came out had the interview when cody was interviewing right after the loss to mjf at rebellion week one week two was the last show with the crowd, he showed up with Lance Archer. They sat ringside for Cody's match. Uh, and then last week, they were ringside, and they cut a, he cut a promo. Lance Archer was yet to speak. And then there was another pre-taped vignette that they shot, apparently, in Jimmy Havoc's backyard. Jeff Hardy has, you know, motocross ramps in his backyard. Jimmy Havoc has a wrestling ring and a decapitated shack and a bunch of other weird shit, apparently. But that's where they filmed that. Uh, I thought it was okay to just basically they were trying to prove that Lance Archer he's like six six eight six nine he's a tall motherfucker uh, and Jake's no slump himself Jake in his heyday was six six he's probably about six five six four now in times shrunk a little bit uh, but Lance Archer's a big motherfucker and that whole prepackage was to to get him over I think that at this point they're trying to see how long they can push him out before they actually get him in the ring the whole purpose of this promo was just to say hey Cody I want you to meet me and we're gonna quote unquote get the job done in that one time 
you know, obviously that's going to lead to some form of match. You'd think maybe a double or nothing, but I was reading earlier there's a chance that they're already going to move double or nothing, which was slated for Memorial Day weekend at the MGM Grand in uh, in Vegas. Uh, next up that I want to actually discuss about AEW, Brody Lee, the former Luke Harper from WWE, uh, made his in-ring debut. It was what it needed to be. I appreciated this. Uh, unlike the Jake Hager match, Jake Hager, they threw him in there with a uh, enhancement talent. A jobber, so to speak, uh, and he and he crushed him because that's what Jake Hager needs to be. He just needs to be a monster. Let him run over people. With Brody Lee, they threw him in there with QT Marshall. QT Marshall, a member of the Nightmare Family, uh, so he's got credibility. And obviously, you know, he's been in wrestling for years, uh, ROH and other different companies, so people know who he is. Uh, but he was his opponent. Brody Lee pretty much ran over him. Loved it. What I loved more was the pre-tape package that they did with Brody Lee. Uh, did you get to see this at all? Okay, so there, it's it's Brody Lee at the head of a table. He's wearing a suit. He's got a steak. He's cutting into this steak. And he's talking about how the New Dark Order, which is what he is the the leader of, they do whatever they want to do is what he's telling these two other guys who are sitting opposite ends left and right of him at a table. They have steak in front of them. And he's just sitting there. He's chopping into the steak. And the other two guys look scared shitless. And the one guy grabs his fork and knife and goes to cut into a steak. And he tells him that, no, you're not allowed to eat before I eat. And then runs him off. And then he sits back down. And then the other guy sneezes. And then he runs him off. Clearly, this was... A shot of Vince McMahon. Thank you. Without even seeing the promo, you knew exactly what they were making fun of. I just love it. Another great podcast listen, not even a shill. Brody Lee made, uh, he was on Talk is Jericho that came out today. He talks all about what led from him getting to WWE, all the crap that he went through in the eight years he was under contract there, uh, and what he went through to get his release to debut here. Uh, Because in the end of the day, his thing was this, is he's like, I don't care if you put me on TV every week and job me, I just want to wrestle. And he spent the last two or three years, for the most part, just sitting at home getting paid, where most people would like to do it. But he's like, this is what I want to do. Before I can't do it anymore, I want to I do it. So no, no amount of money could keep him there. And you've heard this from, from, from so many people recently. Rhino was offered – Rhino had been – Big Terry had been sitting at home for months, and they offered him ridiculous money to continue sitting at home. And he was like, fuck it. And he ended up leaving and going back to TNA. I keep calling it TNA. It's, it's Impact Wrestling. They have dropped the TNA, except for you know the promo that they're in right now is they're bringing back TNA for one night only. What are the odds? Boy, I'll tune in for that. Yeah. But it's weird because everybody who made TNA is not around or available to even come in. So that's going to be interesting. But I, I, I did find that fun. But that's a great listen. Uh, it's only an hour long uh, and really gets you up to, to speed with where this guy is mentally and you know his travel to AEW. Uh, next up, I know you're going to want to talk about this. All right. Sammy Guevara versus Kenny Omega for the AAA Mega Championship. Sammy Guevara is a star. All right. His stock is going to keep going up in time. Now, I told you he was 21. I looked this up a little bit earlier. I was wrong. He's actually 26. Okay, but that makes a lot more sense. It makes a lot more sense, but still, the dude is so young to be able what he's accomplishing every week with the TV time that he's been given. Like the 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 sky's 
like the limit for this guy. What are your thoughts on this match? Because I know that you were talking about it. It blew me away. I mean, this was the best match of this year. I don't think it's close. Really? It might, it might be the best match of last year. I'm I, it, I'm trying to think of the last time that I you've saw, seen. Um, um, yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, the last thing that that comes to mind is Omega Jericho in New Japan. That's the last one that I can remember, like going on my phone and talking about and texting you about and being like, yeah. "Holy shit, this was great!" Like this was that. It good touched in an on everything. Arena. It this this kid did everything. If you talk about like wrestlers that are great at cutting promos, wrestlers that are great at just beating people up, wrestlers that are good at being technical, wrestlers that are high flyers, wrestlers that have charisma and can work the crowd. I mean, this kid did everything in one match without anybody there. They right. have the the chairs ringside with the drawings of right. the inner circle and, and the one picture of Brandy that he kept going back to when Brandy's sitting at ringside. That was kind of creepy. And they did the back and forth where he's like licking and like raging making out with this piece of paper and they keep looking at that and her disgusted face and that and her disgusted face. Like this is incredible television. He's he's working Kenny Omega. He has the, the, the boxer's fracture in his right hand or, or whatever it's called. And he's working that with all, like, not just, like, stomping it. Like, he stomped it. Mm -hmm. But he tried to do a moonsault on it. Like, he's finding all these innovative ways to work the hand. And, like, all these things, you're telling me he's 26. Like, that's the type of stuff that guys do, you know, late 30s, 40s, when, like, they got to slow down their act and all this. And he's 26. Like, he can do whatever you want. This this blew me away. And he's in there with what most people would say right now is the best in-ring performer in all of wrestling. And... Like he's not holding his own. He's he's going with him. He's he's step for step with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I will personally say myself as as a guy who's been watching wrestling my entire life, uh, nearly you know I'm I'm 30 right now, uh, and I I have memories of wrestling in my my brain of late 1992. So that's how far back my brain goes from. Not watching from consciously yeah. remembering. Yeah, 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 look, I can go and, back to like ninety six, ninety seven, which is about and when I started. I've had I've seen great matches from Kenny Omega, but I don't suck the teat like some people do with him. But I will not discredit him for what he can do. The matches that he's had that are five stars, six stars, for granted, have all been matches that went 45, 60 minutes. And since he's been in AEW, people have been really kind of getting on him about the quality of matches that he's been having, but he's been getting seven, 10, 12 minutes. And he had that 30 minute Iron Man match with Pac on dynamite. If you want a good match to go back and see, that's another thing that I had, I'm going to get better at. I'm going to pick one match a week that I think that I'm going to try and send people to go and watch that ideally isn't from that week. I love that. And that's a great match for people to go back and watch. It was only from about a month ago. It was, I believe, February 25th, 26th, something like that, on Dynamite. Him and Pac, the former Neville in WWE, went an hour to an Iron Man match. In the opening match on Dynamite, completely tore the house down. And then at Rebellion, four days later, him and Adam Page defended the tag titles in that match against, uh, I believe it was Santana and Ortiz? Or it might, no. What the hell am I saying? It was the Young Bucks. See, uh, it was. There's so much content in wrestling that unless you have notes in front of you, you don't remember the things that happened. But it was against the Young Bucks, and they went for about a half hour that night. And in what some people, including even Tony Schiavone, which I know that that dude is so damn genuine, th- this guy sat and announced Midnight Express matches 
and Hollywood Blonde matches, and he said that that was the best tag match that he had ever seen himself. It was very good. Uh, so, I mean, Kenny Omega has now finally starting to hit his stride, getting back on the pace of what made him the must-see wrestler in 2016, 17, uh, and even 18, uh, now that we are in 2020 in AEW. Uh, so, yeah, that's also another great match if you, you want to catch up on stuff, uh, is the Sammy Kenny match. The other thing that even started this podcast from happening early. Now, personally, I didn't want to even necessarily start this doing this brand of podcast this early. But you sent me a text the other day that said, I cannot stop thinking about Jericho cutting a promo on Vanguard One. Which is a drone. He cut a promo on a drone. That is incredible. And he's like, I can't stop thinking about it. We need to talk about this. So I'm like, all right, we, we can make something happen here. I'm not even going to say anything. We, we'll, we'll lead with that. First, I, I want to hear what's going on in your mind. Talk about it. I mean, the, the first thing is, as a guy who has loved Chris Jericho since he was doing cruiserweight opening matches on WCW, is the way that this guy reinvents himself over and over and over again and is still at the top of his game at this point in his career is, uh, is unbelievable. With all the, like, we always talk about guys like The Rock leaving and going to Hollywood and, and doing other things. And Brock Lesnar bailed on WWE and did MMA and all this stuff. And now John Cena has left WWE and is doing movies and all this. Like Chris Jericho has come and gone. But he's been so successful in other adventures, but still always comes back and is a legitimate worker. He's not a gimmick guy who just shows up for a pay-per-view and leaves. He doesn't just show up for WrestleMania and leave. The guy works. He is still, if you want to say he's pretty equal now, like rock star and professional wrestler, fine. But he's not like a rock star who occasionally is a professional wrestler. Like This guy is still a legitimate worker and... Like, this had so many layers to it. One, it's clearly never never really been done. And two, the fact that it's being done in an empty arena, I think made it even better. It's the perfect kind of thing to do at a time like this. Because I don't think that this works with a crowd. I think that this actually, like, would have looked really bad with a crowd. And I don't know if a crowd would react to it all that way. Right. And the last thing, and, and I texted you this, I don't know how many people you know, who also watch wrestling will be able to get this reference. But, like, this had such incredible Ashley Schaefer BMW vibes from Eastbound and Down that, like, all I could think about was Jericho as Will Ferrell. And, like, I feel like he would have done this same thing, like, talking to a drone. And it would have been hilarious. And I, I loved it so damn much. And it's one of the it's, – it's a thing that I, I honestly think, like, I don't know who else could do this other than Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I'll lead and say thank you for making sure that you referred to it as the Ashley Schaefer BMW, not the Ashley Schaefer Kia. We know what we're talking about here, the higher performance models in the BMWs. But yeah, that's really what it is. And Jericho is one of the type of people that he was around in the 80s and the 90s. Well, not in the 80s, but he started in 1990, 1991. But he's worked with all those guys from the 80s uh, and the 90s and 2000s, and he's done so much stuff that he understands the people that are into the seriousness of wrestling, but he also sees the the comedy shit. But he's also one of those people that's going to go in 
100%. And that's what you need to do with something like this. And he loves going in on stuff like this. Matt Hardy, as the broken character, hit at a time where TNA had nothing. They were on Destination America at that point, which was in maybe 100,000 homes, 200,000 homes, something like that. People, if they had the channel, didn't even know they had it. And what happened was he got them to let him create this character where basically he's like, hey, and I saw this. He finally came out about a week or so ago and said it, but I knew this years ago. He's getting older. What a better way to preserve yourself, like you were saying earlier, and create a character where you don't take as many bumps. And he did the same thing with Jeff. He basically turned Jeff with him so that Jeff wasn't jumping off the top rope and doing swan toms and being a quote-unquote spot monkey because it's just preserving them, but the people got into it. They did that first final deletion video, which was such a crazy thing that the, the wrestlers tell a story that they were having viewing parties of it. And Jericho says that he was like hosting them and like Cena came in and wanted to watch the video and they told him like, like, no, 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 you have to, you can't come in until this is done. You have to wait until the next showing. And he waited to see it. Like, that's how must see the final deletion was. So he continued with the character to the point where it was like, there was a whole, there was one episode of Impact where literally the whole episode, two hours, was just all broken stuff. And it was the hottest thing that they had in years. And it also creates content outside of the show, too. And that's how these things work together. Like, we're in an era where you have to be able to do those things. You need to be able to do things that, that not only happen on TV, but get to other platforms. They can go to a YouTube. They can go to a social media platform. And then people see them there. And then that draws them either back to television or to television if they hadn't been watching it. Because that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Is like, you told me about this. And I remember looking it up on YouTube and being like, oh, my God, right. like, this is great. And, like, that's the kind of thing that makes you want to tune in. Like, if you're a guy that's, like, only a WWE guy, per se, and, like, you're mainly about watching matches, then, like, you really can't tell me, oh, you know, TNA or Impact or whatever Mm -hmm. had this match and you should watch it. It's like, yeah, but, like, I've seen enough matches this week. But if you're, like, there's this character and he does this thing and I can go watch the promo, then, like, that's a whole other level to it. And then maybe I want to tune in and see what's happening. Right. And and, and so many other things went into the the Matt Hardy character at that point. Matt Hardy... Uh, he was talking about how they pretty much almost bridged the gap. It would have been the first thing. They would have bridged the gap with Ring of Honor and Impact to have a working relationship to go back and forth with the Young Bucks. Uh, And it unfortunately happened right at the point where Jeff Jarrett came back in and the whole thing got squashed. Their contracts ran out. They were working independence. They came in, worked Ring of Honor for a month. The Hardys did. They won the tag titles and then dropped them back to the Young Bucks in a ridiculous ladder match on a pay-per-view WrestleMania weekend. And then the next night debuted back for WWE on WrestleMania. And the whole time he kept pitching the broken mat, the broken mat, the broken mat, and... Vince didn't get it, of course. You could imagine Vince right. not getting it. And he was pushing for Bray to work with him. And him and Bray were working together. They were the tag champions at one point, if you remember. And 
they were pushing for the final deletion, pushing for or the ultimate deletion they did with them. And by the time they finally got to it, it was like, uh, and it was the closing segment on Raw, and it was cool, but it 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 should have happened like a month prior. Yeah. So his whole thing was is at this point in his career, he's got another couple years left in the tank, and WWE at this point they only want to do the Hardy Boys. That's all they wanted to use him for. And the funny thing was, was they used him as an ingredient to this Edge Orton situation. They had Edge concerto him and take out his neck, and he fucking got over. He was supposed to get buried in his night out, last night out. He got over to then they brought him out the next week, and then they took him out again just for fuck's sake, and it didn't fucking matter. His contract ran out, so here we are two weeks later, and here he is back is broken Matt again, and I guarantee you that he is going to find a way to get over even more than he originally was back in 2016 because AEW has a broader audience. Not to mention, they're getting that lapsed fan. They're getting those people that used to watch in the 90s and the Attitude Era and stuff like that that like great promos, solid wrestling, believable storylines, and not BS, which is what AEW is great for. And But people are also going to look at it and be like, I know Matt Hardy. And this is a little bit weird, but if you actually give it a chance, you're going to like it. And if you hear things like this and you're going to want to look more into it, you're going to start looking on YouTube. You're going to find the final deletion, all this other stuff. And then you're going to be really all in on it. You're going to find him time-lapsing through the arena, getting from the 200 level to the ring. Yeah, that was... <sighs> it was awesome. I don't care. Yeah, I mean... It was so bad, it was good. Right, that's... Exactly. Everything that has to do with the broken Matt character, it's it's literally eighties cheese. Yep. And fine with it. If it's done right, nobody's going to give a single fuck. Yep. The only the only problem was their actual interaction. It went way too long. Jericho gave him like a third and fourth chance to like switch teams. Like that took way too long, and they just kept going over the same old. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the the problems that I do find with AEW general. A lot of times they run real short on like they'll they'll undercut like a main event match or something like that. And then usually Jericho's always out in the last segment and he always has to make up for time. Uh like I believe I think it was the um like the Thanksgiving Eve when they were trying to get Moxley to join the inner circle and they were gonna do the swerve where he's like, Oh, I'm gonna join and then they they do the turn. He says he's gonna join and then it takes like three or four minutes of them in the ring partying and celebrating before they finally get to it because otherwise I mean right now they were with, gonna be left with time. With what's going on, you kinda get that they're gonna be struggling to fill all the time. Right. That's my only everything else in, in this whole thing was was fantastic. But, but their actual promo, it worked for a little bit right. and then they just did the same thing right. like two or three extra cycles. Yeah, for you, no reason. you put two guys who can talk out there and and that's really really why it works because they can they could they could have fucking talked for another half hour if they wanted to Again, trying to move this on. Anything else you want to talk about with, with AEW at this point before we move on to NXT? Uh, just m- m- broken Matt Hardy saying, uh, calling Chris Jericho a hole of ass, I believe. And then also, I think he referred to like the Bucks of Young. The I Bucks of Youth. Bucks of Youth. Uh, I, I, love, I love so much about this. Yeah, that's always been the thing. He always has different, and it, 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 everything he does gets over. It's, it's wonderful. Matt Hardy is one of the most creative wonderful. people. Wonderful. Yes. He is wonderful. Uh, all right, so to NXT, the 
in my opinion, the best brand of wrestling the WWE has to offer. Wednesday nights Correct. from 8 until 10 o'clock. Um, not too much really going on and uh, on this episode. I only want to touch on three things. Uh, Austin Theory versus Tyler Breeze. I know, Dan, you didn't watch this match. Austin Theory is a younger wrestler. I believe, th- I believe this was his first match uh, on actual NXT TV. And if it wasn't, this is like his first like high you know, profile matches somebody. They built it up last week, him and Tyler Breeze. The lack of crowd definitely hurt this match. Uh, I don't think these guys really clicked. Um, it, it is what it is. What I will say is Tyler Breeze actually went over in this match, which was kind of weird because most of the match he he was, you know, fighting from under. But fuck it at this point because Tyler Breeze has been getting the shit end of the stick since about 2016, whenever it was that they called his ass up to SmackDown. So uh, I'm glad to see that he, you know, got the win here. Uh, I don't know necessarily that buries Austin Theory because, again, we're, we're kind of in like a weird standoffish point in wrestling where there's not much going on uh, because of the fact that, you know, th- we don't have these crowds and they're just trying to put some content out there. Uh, real quick, touch base on uh, updates on the women's ladder match. Uh, Io Shirai and Candice LeRae qualified for the six-way women's ladder match. Whenever that's going to happen, it's supposed to happen at the NXT TakeOver Tampa, which they've announced this week that all of the matches that were going to be slated for that pay-per-view are going to be happening on the TVs over the next couple of weeks. They're just going to implement them into the TV show, which is cool. I'm fine with that. wonder if they should have tried that with WrestleMania. Anyway, I digress. There was some other filler on the show. Not really worth talking about. The other match I want to talk about, Matt Riddle wrestled Roderick Strong, and I was let down by this. I'm not saying it because there's no crowd, but like AEW on the other channel on the exact same night, not only was live, unlike this, there was a tape show from the prior weekend, but they're in an empty arena, amphitheater that holds thousands of people compared to this full sale room where they taped it in that holds 200, 250 people. And they're doing such a better job to put on great matches on AEW. And I don't get how WWE wrestlers, especially on NXT, when you got the workers on that one, everybody that came from New Japan and the indies that that really have been used to working to the crowds of 10 to you know 300 people uh, to work a match. So they're working this match and it just, it was not hitting for me. And I was kind of let down uh, by that. It just it's just possible that these WWE matches just really aren't clicking and it's just maybe something to do with how they're having them go out there and, and work them. Uh, I, I can't really answer to that, but it, it was kind of a, a letdown. You'd think Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong on a TV show that's trying to fill time would be good. And I think they went two or three segments too. It just it really did nothing for me. I mean, Matt Riddle, uh, I mean, a lot of guys you could say this about, but to me in, in the short time that I've watched Matt Riddle, which has only been probably the last year or so, he seems like a guy that would feed off the crowd more than most, so I, I think right. I can kind of get behind him having a bit of a letdown. And this might be a cop out because I know, like, while NXT is considered the, like, you know, talent building part of WWE, it is also actually like a show of theirs now. So, and a lot of these guys aren't aren't raw talent, like you said, they come right. from other places. There is still something just to be said about, like, if you compare NXT to AEW, like, AEW, like AEW is putting their best show out there. NXT is still developmental. Even if these guys have experience, they are kind of going out there, working on things, trying things. Like, 
I don't think that ultimately they are simply trying to put on a show that just competes. They obviously are in competition. I think they acknowledge that and 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 we can appreciate that. But it's just one of those things where like you know AEW is going to go out there and put on a great show. Like this right. is those guys' only mm-hmm. responsibility. It's right. not the same thing with NXT. It's, it's so. two hours compared to ten hours each week, realistically. Well, well right, but well, I'm just talking NXT. Right. Well, okay. NXT is only two hours, but the thing is, is that like NXT just isn't made to be the primetime show. It's you know, like that's the thing. You should like if you're looking at WWE, WWE should be should be having Raw be the thing that you would compare Dynamite to, and and unfortunately, Raw's just awful, and NXT's better. But I don't think it's fair to to look at NXT and be like, well, this is disappointing because AEW did better. Like it's AEW's flagship show. NXT is not the flagship show. Right. Last thing, really, on this show, Triple H called out both Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano. Uh, he leads this argument, basically, with them uh, the, saying that, you know, I know how you guys have been friends in the past, and, you know, me and Shawn Michaels went through the same thing where we had a rough patch, but in the end, it all worked out, and he told them that, you know, he wanted them to have a match on the biggest stage possible insinuating WrestleMania. Johnny Gargano refused to let the match happen at WrestleMania. Kind of weird. Whatever. Uh, But Triple H then decides that in two weeks that these two are going to wrestle in, you guessed it, an empty arena match. So, you know, I have no, like, no issue with this happening. I think that these two, you know, will utilize the empty arena uh, to their advantage. Absolutely. I kind of, as dumb as it sounds, you can look at the buildup and the premise of like most of the time it's like WWE is going to have a table match. So what leads to it is somebody gets thrown through a table. This one started when they did that episode at the performance center, but there was actually a crowd and they fought all through the performance center, beat the shit out of it with no crowd until they finally came into the crowd before they did that, that giant table bump. So you could basically use all that footage of them just fighting over the performance center and and utilize that as your premise for this match. I'm okay with that. The only weird thing was at the the end of the show, they're in the ring, it cuts off the feed to a build-up package, not even a build-up package, but a vignette for the former Killer Cross. They haven't said what his name's going to be yet, but I'm not really sure how he's going to fit into this. I don't see that they wouldn't have put that vignette in the end of this, while they're in the ring, if it wasn't for him having something to do with it, which is kind of weird to me, I don't see why you don't just let that wait a little bit, especially when you're in this situation where you don't have a crowd. You can kind of push things off. You don't really need to follow whatever storyline, you know, timeline that you had set out there. I kind of felt that that could have waited. Yeah, I think it's just tough for them to navigate things like this. I mean... I love criticizing a lot of wrestling things, especially WWE, as much as the next guy. But to, everything we're saying has to be taken with some grain of salt, just because of the nature of the times that we're in right now. So there, there is something to be said about that. But if you know this, this is going to be your show. So going forward, you know, do what you want. But since I'm sitting here right now, I don't want to fo- fucking talk about Killer Cross unless we're talking about Scarlet Bordeaux. Fuck, smoke show, baby. Whew. Well then, so. Being that this is my show, I'm going to quick say uh, we have recently, you know, poured another one on this Friday night. We're drinking the Yards Big Hazy 13, which I believe we had on a draft 
on the pod last Saturday. It's tremendous. If you uh, get a chance to pick that up in a liquor store, the Yards Big Hazy 13. It's an 8.7 hazy double IPA. It is tremendous, uh, which is what we are now on to. Before we talk about the last show that we just watched live, uh, SmackDown. Well, oh, boy. It was live to us. It was taped earlier this week. Uh, a lot of stuff that uh, you know we're going to lead with. So last night, I sent you the message. Back to earlier when I was talking about Ryan Satin and Pro Wrestling Sheet, very credible source. They were the first ones to break that Roman Reigns is out of WrestleMania. He is on his own backing out from doing any further things. Obviously, he has had two different battles in his life with leukemia that he's overcame, but he feels because of that he has a weakened or, or not a strong immune system, and he could be more susceptible to potentially getting you know the illness. Fine. I respect that. Uh, WWE has yet to actually acknowledge that this is happening. Which is especially crazy considering that TMZ was on Fox before SmackDown went live, and they addressed that right. Roman Reigns was backing out. <laughs> So literally, if you're sitting there waiting to watch this show, about five minutes before it aired, you're seeing TMZ discuss that Roman Reigns backed out of the main event. And then SmackDown goes on to still give you build-up packages and and vignettes and everything that indicate mm-hmm. that, the, that the title match will be Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. Right. And at this point, that match is slated for the Sunday night of WrestleMania. So we are nine days away from that match. And you and presume that would be the closer, right? For sure, it's the title match. So, and, and well, I don't think that there's another match for that unless they want to fucking be crazy and go Becky. I think Becky Shane is that same night. So unless you want to go Becky and Shayna, well, Shane is going to crush her. It can't close it. What did you think that the Roman Goldberg match is going to be? Not as much. Like I'm just saying. To, I'm not right. saying. I'm saying to what you want to happen in that right. match, but you generally have a good feel for these kinds of things, that can't be the closer. Right. This wouldn't, like, Goldberg Rome wasn't going to be a squash match. Yeah, it's going to go, you know, 10 well, minutes. Well, I mean, you know, it's not, gonna be a squash it's not like you got to worry about sending the people home happy. Just saying. No replacement has been announced yet for this. I did see some rumblings. People think that maybe because you'll do Cena, Bray Wyatt. Winner gets the shot the next day at WrestleMania. I think right now that Bray Wyatt Cena match is supposed to be on Sunday, but you could easily fucking move it. Do winner of that match gets Goldberg the next day? You could do I'm that. Very much like that. Again, Though, you talk about stakes. Right. You know, Cena can go after 17, first time ever against Goldberg. Bray Wyatt going for his revenge from losing the belt. Simple stories there. Um, but the... Other option that has been rumbling around is there's a good chance it's going to be Braun Strowman. Absolutely don't like it. I like it if it was two years ago. You know, when you when, when Braun Strowman was his hottest, when he was healing uh, and feuding with Roman Reigns, you're at the point now where, again, there's zero fucking stakes in this. Braun Strowman is a monster, and every opportunity where they should have pulled the trigger on him to put the belt on him, they haven't. So... At this point, are you going to bring him in to just put the belt on because you were going to do it with Roman? Or are you going to put him in the match and have him lose to Goldberg so that eventually when everything goes over, Goldberg still drops it to Roman Reigns? And that does absolutely nothing for Braun Strowman. That's why I hate the Braun Strowman aspect. The problem with any contingency plan here is that, I mean, Goldberg probably had no plans to stick around. So... 
even if you don't have even if you have him retained, right? How long is he going to show up to do anything else to drop it later? Oh, oh. <laughs> They keep writing those checks. Old Billy's going to be showing up every week that they tell him to. Maybe. That's 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 how it works with him. And he, he know very well he he loves performing and being the superhero for the kids, but he also does it for the money. I mean, and he's listen, very obvious. I don't about mind that. having him around. He can still go. I, have no I agree. People being, hate on him. I, I have no problem with him being around. It just like I hated that he came back knowing that he was coming back just to lose the road. Yeah, that look, people problem. fucking hate on Goldberg because. He had that rough match with Taker. That match with Taker was fine until he knocked himself the fuck out. And let's also not act like Taker can work anymore. Right, exactly. And what what happened really was he was knocked out, and he can try to, he continued the match. He then went to Jackhammer, which he needed to pick up a three hundred pound fifty five year old man, and instead of holding his balance straight. He stepped forward because, well, he was fucking concussed and lost his balance and then dropped Taker on his head. Okay, mistakes fucking happen. The dude fucking knocked himself out. But the first seven, eight minutes of that match was fine. Yeah. There was no complaints until that, but all everybody talks about is the end. So everybody... But even if he didn't knock himself out, that jackhammer was going to be tough. It was tough. But Taker he, has no core strength. He's a big motherfucker. Yeah, but Goldberg ain't the same guy he used to be. You're going to hear this a lot from me, but, you know, that's my opinion. And if you have a problem with it, send your hate tweets to at Corey Oates on Twitter. Hmm. So getting into SmackDown, you know, we're going to run through this really quick. So, yeah, so we lead off with, with Sasha and Bailey. They come out and they're talking about the six-woman thing, and it ends up being a giant clusterfuck with – I don't fucking care. Oh, I think – I think no, it was six. It was six, and Dana Brooke got quarantined. So now it's a five-woman Thank thing. God. That's actually a good thing. My, my issue, I mean, they, they do the typical thing that you right. expect. It, you know, it's a five-woman elimination match, and you start with Bailey and Sasha running their mouths, and one by one, everybody comes out, Lacey Evans, and then Naomi, and then, what the hell's her name? T- Tamina. Tamina. I was about to say Tamina. The daughter of Jimmy Snuka, yeah, who yeah, I'm sure we're going to find out is an actual murderer in a couple weeks on Dark Side of the Ring. Um, the worst thing about this to me is that you know, I love that Bailey comes out and is like hinting and teasing and trying to address the idea that, you know, they might turn on each other and they leave it on the cliffhanger where she basically says to Sasha, like, you know, we're good, right? Like nothing can split us. And Sasha looks like she's about to tell her, like, listen, bitch, like I want to win. And then Lacey Evans comes out and it's like, I would have been fine with them just addressing that right there. Like, that would have been much more entertaining than this. And I know they want to lead you on and whatnot, but, like, this was a good time to just, like, build that tension more by letting them talk about it a little bit. Like, you don't have to do the split, obviously. that They're going to save that for the match. Mm-hmm. But to to just not have her say anything and leave that look, like, I get what they're doing, but I think it's poorly executed, and then everyone else comes out and just shits on this whole thing. Right. Um... So yeah, it it was it was horrible. Another match that I'm just not going to give two fucks about with WrestleMania. Yep. I mean, if we get like a good five to ten minutes of Sasha and Bailey one on one at the end of it, it'll be good. Until then, it's going to be up. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying this for years, and they've danced the fuck around it. Those two had matches that were tremendous, memorable. We're still talking about them from NXT from years ago. And they have done everything in their strongest power to keep them apart 
from actually having that because you know that they're going to eventually go back there, but every time you think they're going to, they pull back. That's fine. But this is the time. I mean, they, n- Bailey hasn't really had anybody to work with. Well, Sasha's been off the TV. I'm kind of especially because they're available down there right now. You, we've yeah, seen them on, on but, these tapes, and you know this. Like this is going to have to happen for at least another month or two. That like, let's go, go ahead and do it. Let them work. This is a situation where I definitely say, "Fuck it." You need to. This is the this is the first storyline that I will say has the chance to have the power of the Hogan Savage WrestleMania four to five story where you started one year and you knew where you were going the next year. You build them up as best friends, which they've done for a long time, but you get that climax where you start to get the little teases and it drags on and drags on and drags on until it finally happens and they turn and you finally get the title match. The problem is at this point is Sasha's a better heel than Bailey. But I like Bailey as a heel now, and if she turned back baby, I don't think it would be best for her. So it's kind of a weird situation. I don't know what direction you take it. Had they not done the turn, and had they done this when both of them were faces a year ago, and you got to now when you finally did that turn, then it would have made more sense to me to have done the turn and done it now. At this point, just you know, wait. I mean, the way that it makes sense to me, I guess, is, you, I mean, Bailey's got to retain for a lot longer, but maybe come, like, Survivor Series or the Rumble, like, somewhere closer to Mania, she's got to drop it to Sasha, and then she's got to do the thing where, like, she realizes that this gimmick isn't yeah. the best, and then she comes back at Mania as the as the face Bailey and has her big inflatable fucking wacky waving inflatable and flailing two-man bros and... That's how she overcomes. I don't know. But then she's yeah. the champion again. It's a fucking and then yeah. you're in spot. You're kind of putting yourself in a bad situation there. But that's the only way it makes sense. To yeah. Me. So we, we open up. We got Drew Gulak, Shinsuke Nakamura. And what I found was super awkward and no buildup. And the winner of this match, if Drew Gulak can beat Shinsuke Nakamura, then Daniel Bryan gets a Intercontinental title shot against Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. Uh, and you guessed it. Gulak wins... Daniel Bryan's going to wrestle at WrestleMania against Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental title. But apparently he's talking about now he's going to be quarantining himself. So I don't even know if he's going to make WrestleMania. Like this whole fucking thing is a mess. And it's just each day more and more stuff's coming out. That's I said earlier on the process portals last week they should be taping these shows in advance. And they did. But not thinking about the repercussions that could be coming each day. As we advance in this world, as these things are happening, right? But again, I mean, it's hard to expect them to be able to do that. But as we'll, as we talked about earlier with the Roman Reigns thing, they didn't go back and edit any of these things. They right. left it all the fuck in there. Well, that's the that's the problem. Is yeah, why the hell is that promo in there? Like the only thing that can justify it, like you said, is that they haven't actually announced it. So again, as far as their storylines, that's still the thing, and you you hope that they have some kind of plan in place that makes sense instead, like. If they just go on Raw and are like, okay, like Roman Reigns has announced that he's not going to perform, then like, what the fuck? Like, then go in and edit it. But if somehow they have some actual creative idea, even if it's bad, as long as you're like, okay, I see why they waited. They tried this. Then, like, fine. I get it. But if they're just going to end up doing it where, like, they're like, oh, ESPN broke the news that 
Rowan Reigns, and then it's like, That's Jesus, what they love. Jesus Christ, come on, dude. Yeah, a couple other things I guess that they're going to work on stuff for WrestleMania. Alexa beat Asuka, which has been, uh, they've been calling out Asuka and Carrie Sane, wanting a, a women's tag team title match for a while. She gets this win. I'm guessing they're going to go Nikki and Alexa versus Carrie Sane and Asuka for the tags at WrestleMania. They didn't have an announce that yet, but it seems like I have a bunch of shit planned for SmackDown next week, so whatever. The only shining light on this show was Nikki on commentary. She's actually pretty good. She's mm-hmm. very entertaining. It made the match fun. It absolutely compensated and then some for an empty arena. And like when that happened, I was like, "Oh God! Like this is gonna be annoying and not great." Mm-hmm. Very surprised. Yeah, probably I, the best part of the show. She she definitely added to it. They announced Otis versus Dolph Ziggler for WrestleMania, which I can tell you right now is gonna suck. Uh, well, okay. If there was a crowd, that match would get over really yes. well because the crowd loves Otis. Yes. I don't know how well it's gonna get over here for WrestleMania, but for what it's worth, I. I wouldn't have looked at that match and have thought that that would have been a WrestleMania match. I don't. I think I mean, that is that like pre-show. If anything, it would have been pre-show, yeah, for sure. But I main card, baby. This is where we're at. They're not gonna do a pre-show, right? Since it's two nights. Or do you I think fucking do? for the love of Christ. Like, I mean, if they did like thirty minutes before each one, then fine. Like, that, yeah, I think that's please okay. just thirty fucking minutes. That's please it. relieve me of the pain. <laughs> um. The next thing, you yeah, Renee got to get paid. Yeah, Renee's definitely got to get paid. Pay that woman, uh, because you know she might get fired for John Moxley running it on WWE programming, uh, like he did this past week on Fox. Next, they jump to Elias on the I guess like catwalk oh, kind of uh, podium that they have up in the corner, and Dan, you absolutely love this. So he's up there. He he does his song. I believe you said that was probably the best song you had ever heard him do so far. You said something like that. I don't know. Maybe you were entertained by it. But then he gets attacked by Corbin. And Corbin... Oh, my God. Yeah. they Corbin knocks him off the same podium. The same one that Tommaso Ciampa put, jumped off with Gargano through the announce table. It's just that we are led to believe that Elias literally took a flat backdrop. From the top of that to the concrete floor. No blood. His head wasn't bleeding. But they did add Hollywood sound effects, which was just tremendous. So tremendous that when they came back from the commercial break, they literally replayed it again. I can't believe they replayed it. They replayed it. That was the funniest part. And the irony is that, I know you'll get to this, but spoiler alert, later in SmackDown, there was a a, 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 uh, a funhouse with with the fiend and they did a little a little looney tunes gimmick in that but they always that's but that's the thing the firefly funhouse always has the sound effects it makes sense for that yeah that's not but my point is that it's very funny that the most looney tunes part of this entire thing was not the firefly funhouse it was this fucking fall we watched it three times i i cried i laughed it was awful. It was one of the worst things that like it's absolutely one of the worst things they've done in a long time. It's oh my god, I can't believe they did it. Yeah, so and to go back after the commercial and revisit it is just like this whole show was like whoever edited this show 
has to be fired. I know that these times are tough on people, and I don't wish for really anybody to lose their job, but whoever edited the show has to lose their job. Well, I love Bruce Pritchard, so I hope that he didn't have anything to do with it besides, you know, maybe producing it from Stanford. If anybody takes a flat back right to the concrete, they're not coming back in nine days, unless you're like fucking John Cena or something like that. So something tells me this matches off. Does WWE have concussion protocol? Very much so. Then he then he should be in it. I agree. Um, Baron Corbin versus Goldberg. <laughs> continuing on, we get to the we get to that Firefly Funhouse with Bray Wyatt, where he challenges John Cena to a Firefly Funhouse match. So we are now back on to another gimmick match. We talked earlier about the AJ Styles-Undertaker Boneyard match, and here we are. We're going to get Bray and Cena in a Firefly Funhouse match, which he hasn't actually confirmed, but next Friday, apparently, Cena's going to be on SmackDown to accept the challenge. I can tell you this, in all the years I've watched wrestling, nobody has ever not accepted a challenge in wrestling, so spoiler alert, Mm. without even saying it. And then the last thing that happened on SmackDown, New Day versus Usos, winner versus Miz and Morrison for the tags. And uh, what do you know? They announced that it's going to be a triple threat tag, New Day versus Usos versus Miz and Morrison for the tags at WrestleMania. And then it was announced today that Miz is not going to be on WrestleMania. Boy. Again, left in there. So it's just there's so much up in the air right now. And I guess next week they're going to – Everything that's going to be done will be out there because I believe they've already started. They've started taping some of WrestleMania already, from what I've gathered, and some of it, I guess, is going to be recorded over the next couple of days. I don't believe there's going to be any aspects of the show that will be live. I believe that they're going to put it all in the can. So that if there's one thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to make sure this show is as pristine as you can possibly make it. The only thing that would make sense to do live would be Gronk. I still have not watched any of the Gronk stuff from last oh, week. Oh, don't. I refuse to. No, you shouldn't. I'm not I'm just saying like if there's one thing like basically have it like a show like he's hosting, it's live, he's hosting with and everything he's like cutting to is obviously pre-taped. That would be the only thing I could imagine. Like pre-taping his stuff is seems really really unnecessary, but I mean at this point if you're pre-taping the whole thing, I guess that's what they do, but uh what is MVP? I know he showed up for the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Is MVP like back? MVP is MVP could work with Morris. MVP is a producer now. Uh, what happened was is he he resigned his ass up. So MVP came back to the Rumble. All right. The next night he came out, wrestled Rey Mysterio. Next week he announced. Oh, I watched that. He said that that was his last match. He was retiring. Oh, fuck. And then and people say that all the time, right? And then. He has been used to do in-ring promos, uh, MVP lounge or whatever segments like three or four times where every time he gets his fucking ass kicked. <laughs> he is used as the heater for, for, for several people, usually McIntyre and other stuff. So MVP's there. MVP, and I've been saying this and other people have been saying this, MVP in Impact years ago, he was utilized – in a in a in a group called the the Beatdown Clan, the BDC, he was the leader. It was him. It was Bobby Lashley. It was Samoa Joe, and I forget who the other person was. 
But he was the mouthpiece for them all. He wasn't really wrestling the matches. He would be a great mouthpiece for Bobby Lashley. And people have been saying this for a very long time. And then he got brought into the company. Everybody's like, it's going to happen. And it still hasn't fucking happened. If you're going to want to utilize him on TV, put him with somebody where you can utilize his mic skills. Because he's from the era where he's not going to use the mic necessarily to get himself over. He will be able to get somebody else over and do a great job with it. I can see him with the. I mean, they don't need it, but him with the street profits would be really cool too. But they don't need it; they're so good on the mic. Right? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Especially and MVP's be a better really cool. heel, and and I don't see the street profits needing it ever. True. Be yeah, heel. that's that's true as well. I would just like to see it, but they don't need it. Yeah. All right. Were you gonna say something else? The only thing I wanted to address was uh, this is the first time that I saw Bray Wyatt put that uh, rabbit in the blender. <laughs> I was explaining to Dan. I was like, literally. It's traumatizing. Ramblin' Rabbit gets murdered in every single Firefly Funhouse. He's like the Kenny from South Park of the Firefly Funhouse, where he gets killed in every single thing, and then he's back the next week. Great gimmick. Great gimmick. So, yeah, I mean, that that's really it. I mean, this, this show, I think it went a little long. I'll try and keep them a little shorter going forward. It was fun, though. Yeah, but it was fun. It was I, the first one. I won't one. be here to take you on tangents all of <laughs> it. Was, I'll it, definitely be popping in. It was, it was the first one. We're, we're going to want to talk about, you know, after big pay-per-views and get together and do some stuff like that. But the idea is for this show uh, to drop Sunday night, Monday morning for your drive to work or your beginning of the week uh, as a refresh. We're going to recap the entire week that was in wrestling from Monday to Sunday and then get that out for you so that you have it so that you can start your week all over again. Any final things you want to add, Dan? I strongly suggest, so the the dynamic I like between us here is that like you are the hardcore Mark that can go back 30 plus years really at this point, if not more, and I'm the guy that pops in here and there. So I, I like the dynamic, when we'll be able to do this, of me being able to kind of talk to a casual fan and you being able to talk to a diehard fan. And what I would say to anybody who's casual, like right now with sports not being around, is the main reason I'm consuming as much wrestling content as I, as I am. Because what else is there? And it's nice. And that's why, while we're breaking it down like this, I want to make sure that like we're not just trashing anything that's being done. Because at this point, like I'm so appreciative that there's even something out there right now. That we shouldn't take it for granted. With that said, if you're somebody that really doesn't watch and needs something to see, like, to test the waters, to see if you want to come back, this past week's AEW Dynamite was, like, probably the best TV show of wrestling that I've seen in a lot of years. Like, several years. I thought it was great. And that's without a crowd. So, if you're looking for something to be like, hey, maybe I can get back into this... I think it's a really, really good watch. That would be my recommendation. And AEW's, they're in that honeymoon stage still where especially with a crowd, they can't do anything wrong. You can sit there and you can pinpoint and be like, "Uh, I don't know if this is really clicking, but every single week, the fans for two hours live are not sitting down. They are into it, everything that happens, and they make that show. You watch Raw, you watch SmackDown, you watch pay-per-views that WWE puts on all the time, and some of them, those shows are just flat the whole time. And AEW is always full of energy, and it's no BS, and you get a little bit of everything. You get the great wrestling, you get the good promos, you get the ridiculous entertainment with Chris Jericho cutting a promo on a fucking drone. Incredible. 
it's 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 you got good old Jr. Yeah, exactly. Not this past week. And Jr. Jr. pulls no fucking punches on AEW. He gives not a single fuck, and I love it. He friggin' he throws out blue chew advertisements whenever the fuck he feels like it. He he is a completely different creature. If you love Jr. in the '90s and the 2000s, then you're gonna love Jr. in 2020. So AEW Dynamite every single week. I can't hark that enough. Uh, once the NWA gets back up as well, I will always push that as well. But this is also a great time to catch back up on the NWA on YouTube. I think this is something that we could obviously talk a lot more in depth on on another episode because I know we're, we're long here. But the like the thing about AEW that I think is, is really interesting in being viable competition and being worth watching is that everything else that has presented itself as that kind of thing against WWE since WCW folded, which has mainly been like TNA for mm. and TNA Impact for what it's worth, it always felt like their entire talent pool and especially the guys at the top were guys that kind of like flamed out from wwe so like Mm -hmm. if you're a wwe guy and then you're trying to convince me to go watch that it's like okay well these are just a bunch of guys that couldn't cut it there and while some of them had success and were good it was still just like this mantra of okay but like this guy couldn't cut it there whereas AEW, like a lot of these guys either haven't ever been there and like were probably sought after and like people would want them there or they're guys who like left WWE on their own terms could very well be there and be like very highly utilized talent and get over still and whatnot. Like these are still guys in their prime that can perform. Like that's the difference to me is that these are like, these are guys that are choosing to do something else. It's not because WWE doesn't want them. It's because they want to be an option and they want to provide a quality alternative to what people are so tired of the monotony of, of what WWE has been doing for years now. And if you listen to that, that, that Jericho podcast with Brody Lee that I was talking about earlier uh, from today, they talk about that, how WWE is literally signing people that are already sitting at home more money than they were already making to continue staying at home so they won't go other places. And AEW sits there and they're laughing because a lot of the guys that are on the end, the v, all the VPs and even Jericho, they're like, these guys are getting paydays and they're appreciative of it. But just because they're a WWE guy... There's a select few people that if they became available that they're interested in. So obviously, you know, the Luke Harper, Arn Anderson has gone on record for apparently the last three or four years and has always said that Luke Harper, Brody Lee, was the most underrated guy in WWE and they just never gave him a chance. Uh, People like that. Obviously, Matt Hardy, his stock speaks for itself. Sean Spears was always a guy that, was utilized as under talent. He finally struck with the Ty Dillinger gimmick, but he was always used as enhancement for a long time. Uh, I would honestly be very intrigued to see a guy like Curtis Axel or Bo Dallas come available because those guys are great wrestlers. When little known fact, when the rock was training to make his comeback uh, for that WrestleMania in Miami against Cena, they, put a ring up on his movie set and the wrestler that he had on that set to work matches and train with was Curtis Axel because Curtis Axel is a good wrestler, but they've never given him a serious run. And that's always been the problem there. Once you're, once you're get, given a bad, you know, gimmick or, or they, they seat you where you're, you're set, then that that's it. You're, you're pretty much fucked. Uh, but AEW only is going to 
bring people that they know are going to be good wrestlers. They don't give a shit if you have TV exposure. And th- th- in the end of the day, they only have two hours on TV. They do have that extra hour that's going to be coming or extra TV show through this extended TV rights deal that they signed back in January. But that's still they don't have 10 hours of, of stuff a week like WWE does. So they're going to pick the people that they want to see. And even with that, even at two hours a week, you're not seeing the same people each week, which is nice and refreshing. It's different. It's great because with Raw, you're seeing the same matches week in, week out. This guy wins. All right, next week, we're going to literally do the same match where this guy's going to go over. It doesn't happen with AEW. So if, if, if you're listening to this just for the fuck of it, I appreciate it. Uh, but I do highly recommend, if you, if you, if you miss pro wrestling and, and you want to you know relive, I guess, or get back into it, give All Elite Wrestling a chance. Give it a couple of weeks and maybe go back and try and just YouTube some of their matches. They've only been doing TV since October. They're on TNT every week from Wednesday. Wednesday nights from 8 until 10 p.m. Uh, and it's great wrestling. There's some familiar faces there under different aliases, different names. And then there's some new guys like the Sammy Guevara's that we were speaking of earlier uh, that are young guys uh, that are getting over on their own. Orange Cassidy, a great gimmick in his own. MJF. I'm sure MJF is MJF is only 23. I believe he just turned 24 uh, like a week or two ago. He, he, like he's he's their Randy Orton. Yes, he is. He's a stud. He gives no fucks. And he literally lives his own gimmick that he is perfect pretty much at anything. Like somehow video of him singing in a college acapella group showed up on Twitter last weekend. And most people would probably be like, ah, fuck. He goes, yep, just once again to just prove that I am literally perfect at everything I do. I love it. He gives no fucks. So, yeah, that's that that that's it. Thank you for checking out the pilot episode of uh, Power Bombs and Potables. Uh, again, we're going to try and drop this every Sunday night, Monday morning, for you guys uh, through the podcast Potables Network. For Corey and Dan, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.